I love the lights of Christmas. If there's anything about Christmas that characterizes Christmas, it's light. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the true light. And so today we're going to start our Christmas series with the lights of Christmas. And I want us to see in Scripture what God's Word teaches us about the light of Christmas, the light of Christ. So there's two passages I want to begin with. I want to begin in uh, John, the book of John, the first chapter. And the verse, verses 1 through 18 speak of the character, the nature, and the work of Jesus Christ. We're not going to read all of that text, but there's a couple of verses in that passage I want to look at. Then the other main text, and the one I want to begin with, is in Isaiah chapter 60. So everybody turn in your Bibles, if you have them handy, to Isaiah chapter 60. I love this passage, and I'm just going to use the first three verses in this chapter. Now the first three verses are powerful, and they talk about light. And I want us to see what God is saying to us in this passage. So look at uh, verses 1 through 3 with me in Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine. That's a command from God. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. And His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Now I want us to note that first of all, this passage starts out with a command from God. He says, arise and shine. God calls every one of us to shine. Every one of us. And it's interesting that the Hebrew uh, Bible scholars teach that whenever God's Word uses the word arise, that it is in a life or death situation. And so God's Word is telling us we need to arise and shine because it's a life or death situation. And you think, well, how can I shine? I don't have anything in myself that it can shine. And he answers that with the very next part of the verse. What does he say? He says, For your light has come. That's prophetic. This whole chapter is believed by the majority of Bible scholars to be prophetic of the church age. And you can see immediately, God's calling us to shine, and he says, For your light has come. And the light that has come is Jesus. And it's only when we embrace Jesus in our hearts and lives that we can shine. We have something to shine because Christ in us is the hope of glory. He is that light. In fact, Jesus says in in, uh, the New Testament, He says, I am the light of the world. But He also addresses His followers, His disciples, those that believe in Him, and He says, 
You are the light of the world. And this chapter is connecting that thought together. He's telling us to arise and shine because the light has come. Jesus is in us. And church, I want you to think, every time you see a a light at Christmas on your house or in the decorations, it should trigger something in your heart and mind saying, Jesus is the light of the world, and that light of the world is in my life, and Jesus has called me to shine. So you are Christmas lights. Have you ever thought about that? You are Christmas lights. And I challenge you, when we leave this place today, let your light shine. Anybody remember the the little old song we used to sing? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Now, I hope that sticks in your head through the rest of the Christmas season. And every time it pops into your mind, you'll think, oh yes, I'm a Christmas light for Jesus. Amen? But look what else this passage says. God goes on and He says, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. God's glory has risen upon us and that's why we can shine. We have Jesus in our hearts and the glory of God rises and shines in our lives. Look at verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and the deep darkness the people. It's amazing to think about the darkness in the world today. Things that I never dreamed would take place in our culture Just permeate it now. There's genuine darkness in the world and people that are blinded. That darkness has them blinded to the truth that Jesus is the light. I mentioned when I came back from Pakistan just a couple of weeks ago how that the Lord stirred my heart because I was in a city of 17 million people There were so many people, you couldn't get away from people. They were walking in and out and driving in and out and everywhere you looked, there were people, people. And I I, I mentioned the fact that they had these little Honda 70 motorcycles and there'd be six people on a Honda 70 motorcycle. I was amazed. But the thing God stirred in my heart, church, was the fact that so many millions of the people there in that country were still living in darkness without the hope and the light of Jesus. And God's called us to shine. He's called us to shine. But look at the next part of the verse. It says that, that deep darkness cover the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The picture there is of the glory of God like the sun rising and rising and rising until it's like noonday and the glory of God is just shining down upon our lives. How many like that idea? Amen? 
That's why we can shine. That's why we're Christmas lights because Jesus is the Christmas light. And He shines in our lives. The next part of this verse, verse 3, says, The Gentiles shall come to your light. The Gentiles that is speaking of are those that don't know God. Everyone who doesn't know Jesus. And there, God says, they're going to be drawn to the light in your life. Think about that this Christmas season. People are going to be drawn to us because we shine with the light of Christ. And then it has one more part in verse 3. And the kings to the brightness of your rising. Most of us don't think about really having an impact or an influence on people that are in authority over us. We don't think about being able to really witness to our boss at work or the principal at the school or those in authority over us. And this is talking about the ultimate authority in the land, the king. It would be equivalent to our president. And I want you to think about that. God says His presence in your life, shining through your life, and His glory shining down upon you will illuminate you and that His light will be seen where even those in ultimate authority over your life will be drawn to Jesus in you. So you are a light of Christmas. How many like that idea? Amen. I want us to look at John now. In John, there's another uh, whole passage that talks about the light. And, and I'm just going to read a couple of the verses. The first verse I want to read is in verse 9, John chapter 1. It says, it's taught well as... Let me jump over there. I want to read verse 6, I think. Yeah. Start with verse 6 and go through verse 9. It's talking about the light. There was a man sent from God, this is John the Baptist, whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. That's Jesus. That all through, that all, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, it's saying John was not the Messiah, but was sent to bear witness of the light. Then look at verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Church, Jesus is the true light. There is other light that we experience in the world. There's various different uh, people that have charisma and have have somewhat of a light. In fact, the Bible says that the, the devil himself will come and appear as an angel of light. There's a lot of false light in the world, but there is one true light, and that light is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true light. And I want to I look at six verses, and I'm going to go through them quickly, so don't think, oh no, I've got a pot roast on. But I want to go through six verses that talk about the light of Jesus and how it impacts our lives. 
And they're powerful. The first one is in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the light of prophecies. Everybody say that. The light of prophecies. One thing that separates God's Word from all the other books that have been written in the world is the fact that it's God-breathed. It's God-written. It's God-moved in the hearts of, of godly men. And they wrote exactly what God would have them to write. And there have been prophecies given, and those prophecies come to pass because it's a divine book. Amen? So prophecies, I want you to think about this. Listen to what it says in verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The morning star is another title for Jesus. It's talking about Him rising in our hearts. But it says that we need to heed the light of the prophecies. What this is saying, church, is powerful. There were many prophecies that were predicting Jesus coming to this earth. They're numerous in Scripture. Just one of them I'll give you is in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going, goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. There's three things in that prophecy. This prophecy was given 700 years before Christ was born. First of all, it says God's going to do something special in a little town called Bethlehem. Did you know that if Jesus had not been born in Bethlehem, most likely none of us would have ever heard about Bethlehem. The special thing that Jesus came to Bethlehem, the special thing that it's talking about in that verse is that God was going to give the ultimate ruler. He was going to come from Bethlehem. And the third thing there is astounding. That verse says not only would God do something in, in this special, uh, special in this little nowhere community that no one had heard about, but he would also he would bring out the ultimate ruler but third that ultimate ruler would be the ancient of days it would be god himself emmanuel god with us that's just one of many prophecies that foretold the coming of the messiah and what what the verse that we read originally in second peter is saying because we read the ancient prophecies and we've seen God fulfill those prophecies. Because of that, we can trust that every word of God is going to be fulfilled. That the prophecies that God has given us will be fulfilled. In other words, Jesus is coming back. Amen. He's going to catch up His church. We're going to go to be with Him. There is a heaven. Amen? We're going to be with Jesus. And so, 
It is saying there, we need to trust in the prophetic words of God. And church, there's prophetic words that have been spoken. Some of those words are, are words that you have have felt God just stirring in your heart that you know God's speaking directly to you. And you claim those verses. And so this is saying, don't give up on the prophetic words of God that affect your life, but continue to have hope and believe God is going to fulfill every single one of them. One of the prophetic words that was spoken over our church by Brother Richard Mahalski just a a couple of years before he, he passed away, and Sarah was just here a few weeks ago. He was right here in this pulpit and he was preaching and he stopped and he said, there's something the Lord's laid on my heart that I need to share with you. And he said, God is going to bring revival to the valley. He's not the only one that's had that, that word laid on his heart through the years. I'm sure that... Uh, Sister Riley could, could share with us many times where God spoke and said, I'm going to bring revival to Wasilla, to the valley. So church, one of the things that Richard said, he said, there's going to be such a presence of God in this valley that people that are trying to drive from Anchorage to Fairbanks are going to have to pull over because the presence of God is going to be so heavy in this place. They're not going to be able to just drive right through. Those prophecies that God's given us, church, we need to pray into those. We need to believe God for those. Because our nation, our community, our state, we need a move of God. And that's why I'm challenging you this Christmas. Be a Christmas light and shine in the darkness. Amen? The second thing I want us to see is the light of a star. The light of a star. Balaam is known in the Old Testament as a, a, a prophet. He was a wicked prophet. He wasn't living for God, but he was not a false prophet. In other words, what he prophesied came to pass God had given him that gift. He was using it. But he wasn't living for God. And in his prophecy, listen, he sees a man coming from the Jewish people in the future that was going to be the ultimate ruler. In Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17, he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Then he says, listen, he says, a star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Egypt, out of Israel. And batter, listen to this, batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Now, this is the verse that most Bible scholars believe that the three, or the, not three, the wise men, we say they're three because they're three gifts, but we don't know how many were. But the wise men read and that's why they were looking for a star but i want you to see what else this passage says it talks about a scepter that means rulership but then it says 
and batter the brow of Moab. Moab was the enemy of Israel. Moab was to the east, and they made life horrible for Israel. They brought oppression to Israel. They would come against Israel. They were their enemy. And this passage is powerful in that it's saying that Jesus, who is the morning star, He is the light of the world, that when you receive His light, He breaks the power and the yoke of oppression in your life. Three people like that. The light of Jesus breaks the power of addiction. The light of Jesus breaks the power of sickness and disease. The light of Jesus breaks depression. And there's so many people that struggle this time of year. They don't have the joy of the season. Sometimes they're, they're even Christians. They know Jesus is the light of the world, but they struggle because of things that have taken place in their lives. And I want you to know, church, that the light of Jesus breaks the yoke of bondage in your life. Amen? Amen. Third, third, the light of provision. We see this in John chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 9. It says, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. That's talking about Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all involved in creation. And then in verse 9 it says, that was the true light, speaking of Jesus, which gives light to every man coming into the world. In this light, there's a statement. Just as surely, think about this, just as surely as God created this world so that we would have the perfect environment to thrive as living beings. Anybody like this planet? Anybody glad you're here and not the moon? They've sent, sent a lot of pictures with the new telescopes. I love seeing God's universe and all He created. But there's not, not a planet I've ever seen that I would rather be on. Why? God created everything we need biologically so that we could flourish in this world. He did. And the message in this is that just as God created this world, just as it is, so that we, even though sin has, has damaged this world and all of creation groans because of sin, the sin that man brought because of his disobedience, this world is still full of things that we need to thrive. We have oxygen. We have water. We have plants that, that actually have uh, medicinal purposes that help aid the body in healing. We have all these things. We have beauty. And I'm thankful we live in one of the most beautiful parts of the entire world. And what God's saying in this is if God loved you enough, now we live in a world that says, oh, there, there's nothing that has any purpose, it's all by chance. That's what they teach us in most of the schools they'll teach you well you're nothing special because it's just chance that you're even here 
There was a lightning strike in a pool of liquid and there were chemicals in that liquid and it struck and it it brought life. There was a cell that appeared. And that cell grew and became other cells and it became a monkey and then it became you. I was taught that in school as a kid and I thought, you've got to be kidding. You want me to believe this? So this passage is is telling us if God created this world in the universe, this one place that we found is special that will life will flourish here, then you can trust that God has a plan for every other aspect of your life. Amen? He cared enough to give us oxygen and and beauty in this world and water and and food, sustenance to, to fuel our bodies. He's given us all these things. God has given you everything you need to succeed and to be fruitful in this world. Whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whatever aspect God has provided. So the light of Jesus is our provision. Number four, the light of God's glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This verse is telling us that the light of Jesus shows us what the Father is like, what God the Father is like, that we can know God, that we can have a relationship with Him, we can experience His presence, His power, and His glory in our life. Amen? We can can know Him and the power of His resurrection. We can experience His glory in our lives. The light of Jesus makes that possible. Number five, the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows Me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the ultimate life, light, amen, and life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. God's Word says so many things about Jesus and what His light does for us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no other than Jesus. He is the true light. Now we live in a culture, we live in a world that wants to persecute us for that. I didn't make this up, church. It's not some thought that popped into my mind. And I just decided to preach it. It's the Word of the living God. And so many people get upset, but they think, well, why why is Jesus the only way? Why didn't God make other ways? Church, we need to be thankful that God made one way. 
And we need to embrace what God did. No one else is God. No one else ascended from, from heaven and became man. No one else died on the cross for our sins. Amen? So Jesus alone, He is our salvation. It's not that there... I know there are people that are, that are striving in their religious traditions. And they, they work hard at it. But church, we can't earn or work to gain our salvation. It is by grace, through faith. Amen? Jesus paid it all. It's not 99% Jesus and you 1%. Jesus is 100% paid for our salvation. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. In John chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have, be, that they have been done in God. The reason, the majority of the reason that people, when they uh, had the opportunity to hear the Gospel, and they say no, is not because they don't understand the Gospel. It's because they love the darkness. It's because they don't want that light to shine in their lives because they know their lives are going to have to change dramatically. And it's not us changing it, it's us surrendering our lives to Jesus and saying, Jesus, You change me. It's not us getting up and striving saying, Jesus, I'm not going to sin today. I know I've, 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 I've done this in the past and I've messed up, but I'm going to grip my teeth and I'm going to live for You today. No. It's us saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by Your grace. And Your Word says that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, let me go through this day and live for You in the power of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, let my light shine in the midst of the darkness. It's when we surrender everything to Him. One more, and we're going to close. I'm doing good. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, the final one I want you to think about is the light of immortality. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. I want you to notice that before time began. You were born, His purpose was planned before you were born. You were born at God's exact timing to fulfill His purpose for your life. So, there's a powerful truth there because I know I've got grandkids. I've got two grand, 
grandsons on the way that should be born in February and, and uh, May. And, and, and as a dad who is also a pastor and knows God's Word, I know what's going to happen in this world. And there's a tendency to think, Lord, what are my grandkids going to have to endure? But this verse gives us the assurance God trusts them. He's planted them in this hour, in this time. And they're going to live for Him and they're going to be fruitful. I believe that. Because God promises us, even though Revelation is filled with things that talk about the darkness increasing in this world, the prophetic Word of God also says, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They're going to speak the Word of God in the power of God. So I'm not concerned about my descendants because God is going to be there for them. Amen. But I want us to look at another power. That, was, that, that wasn't in my notes, by the way. That was a freebie. Look at verse 10 and we're going to close but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. The light of Jesus assures us, church, that this life isn't all there is. One day, we're going to be transformed. If we, if we pass from this life, Scripture says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with Jesus. And then one day we'll be reunited with a glorified new body. Or if we're caught up in the rapture, we're going to be translated in an instant and we'll have our glorified bodies and we'll meet those that that have gone on before us, and we're going to meet with Jesus in the air. Church, there is a future that is greater than anything we can ever experience in this earth. This life is short. This life is just a test. And when you answer the test, and you say, Jesus is the answer, then everything else is going to fall into place. I don't know about you, but I'm excited that one day I'm going to be gathered around the throne of the living God with every other person that said yes to Jesus. And we're going to have a glorified body that's not going to have aches and pains. It's not going to, it's not going to break down. It's not, you know, the crick in your back or the, the pain in your leg or your knees. We're going to have a glorified body and we're going to be immortal because of Jesus. So the light of Christmas says, this ain't all there is. God has something greater for us. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team, if they would, to come in the front and around the back of the auditorium. And if you have a, a prayer need today, we want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. We want to agree with you in prayer. No matter what 
that prayer need is, Jesus is the answer. And as they're coming, I, I want to pray specific, specifically for us that this Christmas that we will be the light. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending Jesus, Your Son, who is the light of the world. And Lord, this Christmas season, I pray that we would be the light of the world, just as You said. That the light of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives and the glory of God that's shining down upon our lives would illuminate us. That we can, we can, Lord, be the light to the world. We can show Jesus' light through our lives. Lord, I pray for everyone that's here today. And if they haven't committed their heart to Jesus, I pray that today they would say yes to you. Lord, I pray that this Christmas season, when we meet our relatives and we meet our friends and our co-workers, Lord, that don't know Jesus, that they would see the light of Jesus in us. And they would ask us, what is it about you that's so different? And we'd be able to point them to you. Because you are the light of the world. And we thank you for what that light means to us today. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. joining us today we look forward to connecting with you next time and don't forget you can support us by giving through the church center app or by going online at summitwc.com give